right now. It's like, it's definitely sweater weather all over again. We just started getting into summer and now it's back to, I don't know, cold spring. But good morning, everybody. Happy Monday. It's June 19th. And this is, our, I think it's our 24th solid ground live stream. And so um, we have a topic today from a parent who wrote in and wanted to um, wanted to discuss the pride flags, pride flags in school and uh, pride progress flags, I guess. But um, do you should we start with an intro to solid ground? And David, do you want to do that for us? Yep, I'll do that. Thanks, Leslie. Mm -hmm. So Solid Ground is a peer support community for anyone concerned about the imposition of critical social justice, CSJ, aka woke, and or COVID mandates in their workplace, university, children's school, or community. We offer weekly online peer support groups in which members share ideas, thoughts, and support for how to navigate the impact of these ideologies. And to answer the question, where do we go from here? You can join one of our groups for only $5 per month. And to find out how to join our community, please visit solidgroundsupport.com. And please note Solid Ground does not provide psychotherapy or legal advice, and nothing we do should be construed as such. So when you say $5 per month, I always think you're going to say pounds. And then, mm. um, so what, <laughs> so, but I'm, but I'm curious about, pounds versus euros are you guys using euros or pounds there what are you what's your finances like pounds sterling we, we, we're we remaining um old-fashioned and british about that yeah okay um, if you're gonna ask me what the conversion rate is i could find that out quickly for you okay. for like uk listeners or something like that <laughs> why not Five pounds into dollars and i could do this each time couldn't i um Oh no, five dollars into pounds. Sorry, guys, this is really insane, isn't it, for a live stream? No, no, no. <laughs> it's pretty interesting. Three point nine one pounds. Okay, so I'll, I'll just put that in, and it'll change as we go, and then we can chart the progress of not only um, solid ground, just... but the fluctuations in. <laughs> now, how much is that in Icelandic kroner? Right. <laughs> Icelandic. Right. It's like several thousand, I think. Oh, it's 682.5 oh. Icelandic kroner. So okay. that can get you like a um, bit of salmon or something like that. Salmon and potatoes. Yeah, maybe maybe like half a beer. Okay. Yeah, like small beer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So the topic that this the parent wrote in with that I thought was pretty interesting. Uh, it says, since June 1st, I've been grinning and bearing the appearance of pride or progress flags around campus. This is regarding a children's school hung by administrators and teachers. I've been struggling. Surely for most of those adults, they're doing the right thing by a marginalized group. These are the quotes that are in the, the note here, displaying solidarity and so on. They think of it as either harmless or proactively good. From my point of view, the adults in this child-centered community are displaying allegiance to a particular political viewpoint or idea framework, one associated with a progressive wing of the Democratic National Political Party. From my point of view, that's a serious breach of professionalism. No teacher should espouse a particular political viewpoint. 
The problem is in this climate to try to express hesitation or reservation about adults at a school openly supporting a political position is to be automatically branded as homophobic or transphobic. Basically, it's difficult to figure out how to express pushback on, an, on nuanced moral grounds. I'm what, looking for help figuring this out and uh, wondering if we can talk through this in, in advance of my making an argument to the school's board. So that's basically where we're at. What, uh, and and I, I mean, that does seem like it's really um, quite a challenge because if everybody's lined up in, in solidarity against or for something to, you know, it's really difficult to know how you're supposed to argue. So, you know, we talked a little bit about this. What what kind of ideas came up for you, Deborah? You had some interesting articles that you you pulled. Yeah, and this was more like how is this happen? What's happening in other people's response? I don't know if any one particular group's response is the best response. Um, we saw everything from a potentially more humorous situation in a school in Maine where some kids like put a Trump flag over the progress flag and then the school was like, okay, we're just not having any mm -hmm. um, except the American flag. Um, there's some communities, well, in Michigan more recently and then in Calgary and Canada, there's Muslim families that are just not wanting the pride flag. So they're coming from a you know, sort of religious, like pluralistic sort of thing. Like we could have different points of view, um, but in the sort of school space, this should be more neutral. Like I practice my religion over here. You can do your thing in your bedroom. Um, I don't know if they're going to win, but that's where they're, they're kind of making their argument. Um, so those are two things that I've seen so far out there in terms of people taking this on. The Trump one is interesting because it's like, um it it kind of forces the school to consider whether they're going to on what grounds they're supporting one and if you can have a different and opposing ideology on what grounds can you oppose that flag and therefore you know are you able to support either one i, I mean it sort of like negates their reason for for supporting the one ideology if they can't support the other mm. but I don't know if everybody's ready to go out and put up a Trump flag. That might be, that might be dangerous in some places. There's the, I think the other argument would be they would go harm. Like, of course the Trump flag is harmful. Like, right, you know, they'd have some, whereas this other flag, in one article I pulled up, they had no data behind it, but they were saying, well, when, you know, LGBTQ plus whatever children are in schools where there are these flags, they feel safer. So they perform better in school and it's better for their mental health. But I didn't see anybody actually do some sort of data analysis of such a thing. Um, but I can see them using um, inclusion or they would say, I can see them saying it's not political. It's just being inclusive and, and um, protecting people who need protecting. So that's I think proving it's political, yeah, is the 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 work here or something. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it'd be really interesting to know the process that went on after the Trump flag went on, because if they were already in a space in which they were starting to consider that perhaps this is an ideological framing, perhaps this is political, then yeah, as you say, we're already halfway there because then it's a lot easier to make a point about how schools need to be neutral and we need to have freedom of speech and those sorts of things, but. It doesn't feel like that, does it? It feels like we're being inclusive and we're having a pride month. And this isn't ideological. This is just what any good person in 2023 would do. Um, yeah. 
What do you think, Jennifer? Uh, I think it's a hot mess. <laughs> um, <laughs> I really do. I mean, I do think in a way that um, the Trump, the hanging of the Trump flag is an interesting approach um, because of course they could, the school can say, well, but, but this isn't political. This is simply, um, you know, supporting people who are marginalized or whatever, but, um, you know, you could hang, you could hang flags with crosses or something and saying, well, we're just honoring our Christian roots and we're honoring students who may be from a Christian background. And then the school's going to become uncomfortable with that. So in a way, I think it's kind of a good tactic because I think what it shows is maybe we need to, in schools, just stick to actually educating students and not be bringing in different um, you know philosophies or opinions because if you're going to allow one group to express opinions then how are you going to defend not allowing other groups to express their opinions and i know it's very popular to say oh well anything to do with trump is very harmful but would they say the same about um if people wanted to express their, you know, make faith statements, would they go so far as to say, well, any faith statement is harmful, therefore nobody may speak out about that. It does put the school in a difficult position. And I think the school should be put in a difficult position. So they go back to focusing on educating students. So it's kind of like, that sort of seems like the, um, uh, this is probably a terrible analogy, but like the, you know, kid gets caught smoking. So mom makes them smoke a pack of cigarettes. So they get so <laughs> sick that they never want to touch them again. Yeah, it is, it is a bit like that, actually. Yeah. It's like, well, look, if you're going to do this, but other people are also going to express themselves. And then you're going to say that only certain things are allowed to be expressed. Well, what does that make you? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, don't, I don't think it's a bad approach. You know, it's certainly it's certainly comical at least so it gets gets points for that and kind of the flip side of that is there's this kid i think somewhere in new england who wore a shirt to school that said there's two genders on it and then they, there's a case against him um and i think the judge ruled against him in the first i imagine they'll appeal it so it's like you couldn't even have a counter um sentiment or something like that um like we're allowed to have this one point of view i i, I think the problem is that like that the flag has there's so many things going on in that flag and not just all the, the images mushed together but i think it went from just uh something that was fairly benign you know and now the, and some people only look at it that way but then now we know that there's layers of whether it's queer theory layered on it or some political agenda layered on it and it's that I guess it's that Mott Bailey right like there's so much layered on it and a lot of people just pretend it's just the innocent message right so why do you have a problem with it um and, and maybe don't want to know or see the other layers of of ideology that are on it and where they can lead to. And so I don't know how you, I'm thinking about this parent, like, I don't know how you, if you can point out, this is, there's like just a lot of layers of meaning here and they might not all be what you think. 
Um, <laughs> that's a, that'd be probably hard to explain though. Um, but it does seem part of the problem. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Because it's, it is, it's disguised under something that seems to be very benign. It's the whole, the whole concept of making people feel included and safe and, and um, destigmatizing something that, you know, but, but you're right, it, it definitely has layers, and it's not so simple. And it's also, it's not just embracing people as they are, it's, it's trying to encourage people to take something on. And I, so I, interestingly, I thought this was kind of like, it felt like kind of a martial arts move where you use the other person's strength, strength against them. I, I heard this argument for the pronoun thing that um, one, one reason to object to, to being asked to give one's pronouns is that there might be someone who is who has a an alternative um i guess sexual identity that isn't ready to be out yet and you might force them to out themselves and so that's like going the full arc i mean that comes all the way around full circle it's like don't in order to protect the people that this i this this idea is set out to protect we need to protect them even harder by not doing this idea at all and i wonder if there's a similar argument around the flag. I can't imagine what that is right now, but I'm just wondering if there might be something like that. Like, if, well, some schools were even having kids have to do things on like Pride Day and they're supposed to wear rainbow shirts. And I don't know, could you have a child who might be gay and, and not out about it feel funny? But very, I don't know, if everyone's wearing a shirt, I don't know if they'd suddenly feel like people are gonna know. Um, if everyone's doing it, that would be the closest like potential application. Um, but I don't know if that translates. It's I'm realizing it's a, it's a lot like BLM too, because you know with BLM, Black Lives Matter. Well, yes, Black Lives Matter, right? But then you have the organization, which as we've been seeing more and more of its um, finances and other such things, or and also when it used to have a fairly Marxist, like blatantly stated on their website, right? You could you could object to it if you knew all of that. But if you just thought, oh, of course, I don't want what people matter, right? You could think, well, why should anybody object to a teacher having that in the classroom? Mm -hmm. And that one seems a little easier to peel apart because I think over the last couple of years, we've seen you've seen more of the, you know, the founders buying multi-million dollar mansions and the organizations on the ground not getting any of the money that was raised. And so that's getting more apparent to people that there might be more than one thing going on there. This one's harder, I think, to pull apart. I just noticed the comment, a, a guy in his room, hello, says, great to see you all despite this happening on Juneteenth, which is racist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. I love that, a guy in his room. That's awesome. Yeah, some of the names are really good. What, David? What I'm lost. Sorry, I'm not. I'm late to the party. What's the Juneteenth thing? You don't know. <laughs> yeah, Deborah, why don't you? Why don't you go ahead? It's funny when you did say June nineteenth. I did have an internal like, uh oh, should we acknowledge it? I mean, it really came up for me. Mm -hmm. I was that not the date when I think it was maybe later in the game where people in, was it in Texas where um, they really realized that the Civil War had been won and that slavery had been ended, and then 
people somehow got this announcement that the black people there found out they were free or something mm -hmm. like that. I don't know. I don't know if that this feels like a very simple rendition and it might be more complicated. No, I think that's I think that's correct. It's the a celebration of the date that um, many uh, formerly enslaved people found out that their freedom had been granted. So it's a liberation celebration. And I didn't start hearing about it until just a couple of years ago. So it wasn't something that was really um, widely talked about culturally. And it has been um, celebrated more widely over, I don't know, what would you say the past decade or less? I'm going to say three years. <laughs> okay. Three. Yeah. Just a little while. Yeah. So. Then became an official holiday, I think in 2020 or 2021. Like it's actually on my calendars now and in my day planner, which it was certainly not before. Mm -hmm. like coming at this for the first time, it sounds like a, a good day to celebrate, but our commenter is highlighting that it's racist. So somehow it's been corrupted it sounds like every other thing in the world at the moment <laughs> well i think i think maybe it's racist that we're talking on that day or maybe oh, it's <laughs> yeah that's what i think he meant <laughs> or maybe it's racist that we didn't mention it and yeah. make this the topic way, of this it should have been the topic of the live stream and that's probably what's racist all right, just rest assured, whatever you're doing in the moment, it's racist. Oh, I was the one that said I didn't know it, so I'm probably the most racist. Yeah, you are. That's right. <laughs> What's a man? Yeah. Of course you couldn't figure it out. You're oh, a man. Right. <laughs> I forgot I was a man for a few minutes, but I'm a man. You're ticking all the boxes, David. I mean, you're basically the worst person here. Oh my god. I mean he's wearing red. I mean that's Republican. I mean what are we going to do? <laughs> Sorry David. Well, and, and Adidas which is like a sports brand so you're basically celebrating able-bodiedness while you're at it. And then they do stuff with the Nazis literally like Adidas. Nice. No. <laughs> right, well there we go. We'll stop. I'll, no. put, I'll put this wash clock away then. All right. <laughs> <laughs> well, as long as you confess your privilege and feel adequately bad about it, I think we'll be okay. Uh, do you know what I was thinking as you were reading out the email from, is it, yeah, the email that you, mm. the, and the email you got from earlier, I was just thinking about this person who feels like they're completely on their own. And I was thinking, you can't be on your own anymore. There's absolutely no chance that you're on your own. There's several people that are definitely thinking the same way as you. Um, and I just wanted to, just a small comment to give comfort to that person that if you can find ways to speak out and, and just ask some questions, you will find there are other people. I don't know how we, 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 we yeah, it's not just because we were in this organization, the four of us, but being in solid ground and but also being on my course and being in the wider world of the last couple of years I think we can't we, we, we have to be more optimistic now that there's plenty of people that, that don't you know that support many other points of view particularly one which is interested in uh, uh, safeguarding women's spaces I think is probably the obvious one yeah yeah, yeah. that is that's a really good point I think that you know sometimes when you're in a situation like that kind of tentatively feeling out other people and seeing if there's some people who are in agreement with you because it is easier to um, make an objection if you have some, if you have 
numbers, their strength in numbers. And there may very well be some other parents who might be willing to, um, you know, challenge this at the, at the school. You know, it's, I'm sitting here and I just keep marveling that we're in this position to be having this conversation to begin with. But since when has it been the job of the school to celebrate people's sexuality right. <laughs> and the, their identity of any, of, any, of any type? I mean, the school really is supposed to be to educate people. And it's just, I don't know, it's just amazing to me that this is going on and that parents are having to worry that schools are really quite aggressively pushing values on their kids that they as parents might not agree with for whatever reasons. And that it's like they're taxpayers, but it's like they have no say that this mass in, indoctrination program is taking place in public schools, certainly in private too, I'm aware of that, but it just seems like, um, it, it seems like parents would, do have a very valid case for saying we we want these conversations about sexuality to take place at home when we think our kid is developmentally ready and we don't want the school pushing this on kids but this is you know introducing them to all kinds of confusing topics at a very young age, telling kids they can be any sex that they want, that the doctor has guessed when they were born, what they are. Um, I mean, this could really, this literally they're being given messages that could ruin their lives. And it just exposing them to conversations about sexuality at a very young age. There's plenty of reasons for parents to object to that. I think you're making a really good point because it's we can talk about this on the finer points of discussing whether this ideology is more has more value than another one or whether the school should be able to introduce this politics these politics versus these politics but what you're getting down to is you're cutting right through it all and you're going back to the foundations and saying this sexuality education isn't isn't appropriate at this level it does not need to be a part of this public school curriculum. And we don't have to argue at all about whether it's right or wrong to have these concepts about sexuality or to support pride or whatever that might be. But just foundationally, this is not appropriate at, you know, at the um, primary or grade level. I mean, it's not, it's not appropriate in primary school or maybe even at all in any uh, academic program. Like we can just leave that off to the side, just leave it out. It sounds like the, de the developmental case then. Um, so I was thinking it's probably harder to argue these things at private school, which is I think where this person is than public school, mm -hmm. because the private school, they're often very progressive as it is. And it's sort of like you chose the school because we're the most cutting edge and if you don't like our values, then go somewhere else. So, but the public school people have more say because their kids have to go to you know, like they don't have the choice. Anyway, sorry, David, go ahead. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, yeah, sorry. I was just going to say that I was just picturing like what, what it must be for, say, a six-year-old to be hearing hearing these messages. I'm just trying to get my head into the idea of what would a six-year-old pick up on? What are the sort of implicit directions that they'd be getting? The kind of, um, you know, looking up to adults who are saying 
saying these things and then thinking should i be what sh should i you know what, what should i be doing what's the orientation that's being thrust upon me here because i want to please my parents because all kids do so where would that take a six-year-old in terms of their thinking that 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 we should be i mean it just asks so many other questions that a, a young mind isn't prepared to, isn't shouldn't be shouldn't be prepared to at that point to be asking about it about themselves about their community about their relationship to other people it's I was just going off on a bit of a <laughs> just thinking in my own my mind as you were talking what what on earth that could lead to and it's just it just feels very unboundary doesn't it and it feels very unsafe for sort of young minds um in some ways to just be feeling like they're being incentivized down the path mm -hmm. um anyway that's just no that's thinking. exactly what it is if you if you haven't had a chance to watch that um, interview that I had with a parent who showed some curriculum, it's it's really clear in that curriculum, the way that they reward, they they and they instruct the teacher on how to present this stuff so that they're rewarding the children whenever they give a response that demonstrates empathy with the, the alternative or the queer viewpoints. And they're, um, they're gently re redirecting, but it's kind of through this, public humiliation ritual. I mean, it's, it's no, you wouldn't do it like that now, would you? And you want to express surprise to the child when they, when they say something that's more cis heteronormative and you want to. So it sort of embarrasses the kids out of taking a, a, a more, you know, traditional or conventional stance and then, and then gives them this, these little, um, little rewards for right thinking when they, when they go the queer direction. And then they, that's starting at age five. And then when they're in the uh, grades, like they're nine years old through 12 years old, those the, uh, that grade level, they start to ask the kids to try on different identities. They'll give them cards. And, and this is in there with, you, I might be repeating myself for people who have already seen this stuff, but they have uh, identity cards that they pass out to the kids, which will say things like, you are a boy with a vagina. How does it feel to blah, blah, blah. You are a a girl with a penis and you know testicles and this is some now try on this scenario from this perspective and now try on and so they have like basically eight different identities based on the constellation of your internal gender view and your external genitalia and only one or two or no i guess that would be two of them are the aligned ones so your chances of winding up with a queer identity are much much higher and so most people are going to try it and then they're going to shuffle them and you're going to try it again. And you are continually asked to imagine yourself through this lens and then rewarded when you get the right responses. And then they have other scenarios where, where they, they offer hypotheticals where somebody with a queer identity is being bullied or made to feel bad about themselves. And you are asked, how would you defend this person? How would you feel if you saw somebody being treated this way? So they're trying to inculcate this like sense of outrage and this sense of allyship which is supposed to go forward with the child and so you can see how starting this really early these kids are going to grow up with this foundational worldview or that's the that seems to be the goal anyway and how do you you know when you pair that with these symbols these these religious symbols of these these progress flags and whatnot being displayed everywhere. It's powerful indoctrination. It's very powerful and it's very political and it's not benign, not in the slightest bit benign. It's very intentional 
<laughs> and it really has no place being in these schools whatsoever. This strikes box, but yeah. this strikes me as um, I'm going to put on a tinfoil hat for a moment. Yeah. So everyone may well, admire let's, my hat. Let's all get them out. <laughs> <Come> on, <yes. laughs> Um, this is a great, great method of population control, because if you start confusing people from that early of an age about the most primary things, you know, what body you're in and who you are, it may take somebody until their 30s to fully emerge from that when their fertility has notched down. And so it may take them till their 30s to clear this stuff if they are able to ever clear it. And then to find a suitable, reliable, stable partner to reproduce with. This is a great, great way to do this. It's, I'm not saying it's the intended effect, but it absolutely is going to be an effect. And I'm not entirely sure that that's not part of why they're doing it. You know, the, uh, when I was a young, um, I guess I'm probably in my twenties, I was super, always considered myself super left-wing just had, you know, that I, my mom was kind of right. She was on the right side, right, right wing. And I was, we butted heads a lot because we just thought so differently about things. And I'm sure I drove her just completely crazy. I remember telling her one time you couldn't find anybody more left-wing than me, you know, that's how I felt. And I, I said to her. I think we should encourage homosexuality because it'll drive population down. I think that, I think that, so, you know, shoot daggers at me, but I, that even to my like 20 year old brain, that made perfect sense. It was like, well, we have, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm being, I'm buying into all the whole climate alarmist stuff and the overpopulation stuff. I've bought into that. I've been, I've been indoctrinated into that so heavily that I believe that we need to reduce the world's population and I don't want to see it reduced by killing a bunch of people so what do we need homosexuality for all we need to reduce the number of breeders and that made sense to me even just as like a dumb kid so yeah it seems like a very clear line drawn from one to the other well yeah the same people that are pushing this are the people that are the cl the climate alarmists who think that we absolutely have to reduce population they have a much much more dire perception um, regarding the climate than a lot of, you know, a lot of other people. So it's just interesting. But it's the, the level of intensity at, at which this stuff is being pushed feels very alarming and very suspicious to me. You know, it's like, okay, who's funding it? What are they trying to do? What are exactly are they trying to do there? And I do think different people are doing it for different reasons and have different motivations, but there are absolutely people who are, I think, funding this as part of a larger, really nefarious agenda. And then yeah. there's a lot of people who are like, you know, a lot of parents who would fall into the normie category of, you know, they're liberal, they're leftists, they read the Washington Post and the New York Times, and they think, oh, yeah, this is just a nice thing to do to let all the kids know if you're gay, if you're trans, it's fine, we all accept you, la, 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 and they go about their way, and they're not really investigating it and thinking it through. Mm -hmm. Is there a sense in which this, this, this ideology is, is scaring a lot of liberal-minded people? I say liberal, I guess left-wing as well, but like, whatever, like, 
it's scaring people so much that they do just kind of go, I'll just shut up, say the same chance, put the flag on, buy a rainbow jumper, you know, and go along with it. Is it, it's like, um, um, is, is it, is it this kind of like the responsibility of being a parent in 2023 or whatever, um, with all of this confusing stuff that none of the adults really have sorted out. I mean, you went to a conference recently, Leslie, because the adults in the planet are still working out what on earth gender and sex mean. So we're still trying to work it out, really, but we need to talk about mm-hmm. it and understand it. And whilst we're trying to ferret around wondering what to do, parents are kind of just getting scared about, well, what do I do about it then? Oh, well, I've got an authority figure in the school who's got all the right, I don't know, who's got a list of things that I should do. Let's just go along with it. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. Well, that that idea of authority, I think, is such a big theme it's such a pressing theme we've had the people have had their own agency and their own authority to make decisions in their lives just continually stripped away and stripped away to the point where we're left just constantly looking at other people for signals as to what's right to do and we saw that in such a huge way with covid we saw that just like people were told to do things that made no freaking sense whatsoever and they just did them because they were told and they looked around and saw other people doing them too regardless of whether you thought that the virus was a serious thing or not i mean that doesn't even matter at the end of the day some of the things that we were all asked to do made no sense like people were wearing masks in zoom meetings in order to promote wearing come on now right like (laughs) like okay so um and i think that like I think with parents in particular, there there's such a systematic erosion of authority within the family that starts very early. I mean, it starts like during pregnancy, how many, you know, I can tell you there's so many appointments you're supposed to go to and your behavior is extremely micromanaged by these, by your doctor or your midwife. Like there are, they terrify pregnant women about doing any little freaking thing. They're, they're, they make you afraid that you're going to screw your baby up if you smell secondhand smoke or if you eat the wrong kind of cheese or you know if you just it's it's just like there's there's a million and one ways to mess up your baby and then as soon as the baby's born you've got you've got the the immediately at birth check and then you've got like a two-day check and then you've got a two-week check and then a, the a, a two-month check and then four and it's constantly going in to ask somebody else how do i take care of this thing how do i take care of this thing and it's not being, you're, you're taught not to listen to your parents, your mom, your grandma, the women in your community. Don't listen to them. Instead, listen to the doctor. And this goes on and on until you're in school and you're supposed to listen to the teacher. And now the teacher, who is just some kid that went through some undergrad program where they were plugged full of social justice, knows your kid better than you do. And you're supposed to listen to them. But you, you know, when you, when you think about centralization, I mean, this stuff is, who who's funding the UN primarily? Who's funding the funding the WHO, UNESCO? Who's funding these these things? Because the the comprehensive sex ed is not springing up everywhere organically. It's springing up from a centralized place. It's being put into place. And so, yes, I do think that that you know, so we should make some really nice tinfoil hats that are just permanent because you know, <laughs> they belong on our heads, I think. I'm glad I'm not alone in my hat wearing. Oh, we know we need to have a tinfoil hat session. <laughs> like come next week with your actual, make your best hat. We'll, 
It's not, I was going to say what's weird is it's not really, I'm not really pushing back, but it's like, say your body's like the world economic forum there. I mean, there's, they are blatantly saying things like, um, zero, whatever, um, net zero, blah, blah, blah. Right. And doing things, but like this one, they haven't spelled out, like they haven't connected a dot out loud about this with the, the LGBTQIA. Like they, they don't, somehow they haven't quite touched that. We can't go see you even have a statement in your manifesto about this. They have the population, but they don't, they don't quite like do that one. And I don't know. I don't know. I, if do they not? That one's, I don't because they doesn't the, the comprehensive sex ed encompasses a lot of learning about but do they say depopulation sexual... though i don't think they're saying depopulation though outright mm, i wonder if they do if like, they might say gen- depopulation but they don't say depopulation therefore our sex education like that that's the piece that's not being blatantly said and it still could be going yeah. on but it's like the other stuff they're just so like yes in fact i don't know if you well it's a side topic but quick statement is you know, it was larry fink i saw over the weekend saying something like he's the head of BlackRock, and we're basically he said we're going to force we're going to force companies to do the things we want them to do. I mean, it was just out there. It was like, we're coerced, you know, we're basically, he said, I mean, he just said force, I think at least once, if not multiple times. So there's, there's, there's some people definitely know they are forcing things on people and saying it. Hmm. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. If, I mean, if anybody wants to read Agenda 2020 or 2030, those things, I wouldn't really be surprised if they put it together because those things are, they're pretty blatant. But um, there was a comment in here, and I don't know if we've really helped the initial, the, the poster, the person who wrote with the email about what to do about school. And so I, I think it would be nice to visit that and see if we can, if we have any concrete ideas for that person. But there was a comment I wanted to read, let me scroll way back up, about whether we think that there's any help for the schools, whether there's any way to preserve them. Um, may I ask what this is mobile writer may I ask what the panel feels about the idea that the war against the ideology will be won or lost in the universities and schools, I have thoughts but why don't you guys go first. I think that's probably right, I mean these ideas are coming from obscure (laughs) obscure weird academics, you know, in in universities, and then they spread throughout the culture, and then they spread into K through 12 education. So I do think going, going at it from that perspective is very important. I, I am a little skeptical, though, as to how much the um, K through 12 can be turned around. And I I think, um, you know, if it gets turned around 10 years from now, great. But meanwhile, if you've sent your kid through that school system, it may very well be too late for them. And I, I think if the schools are salvageable, it is going to be a very long battle. And I personally, if I had young kids, I would rearrange my entire life in order to homeschool and get them out of those schools because I consider what's being done to be a form of sexual abuse. Mm-hmm. And I, I just don't think it is a reasonable option any longer. I think it's the parents. I mean, whatever, I don't know about whether they'll be saved or not, but it's all, it's really on the parents. Like the parents are going to, are the ones 
making stuff happen at this point. And it's sort of like, kind of wish there was a parent's party. Like, I just feel like there should be a political party that's just parents, not partisan, except, except <laughs> we care about what's happening to our kids and we agree on some things. So, I mean, maybe they can, they, they'll probably make the schools change if they, if everybody just takes their kids out and eventually schools go, uh oh, we have to change because no one's attending anymore, you know? Um, but, you know, not a lot of parents can do that, or it just takes a lot for certain families to maybe find a pod to be in. It's not the easiest thing to say, just take them out for a lot of people. So, but if we see more of these, actually, the real board Chris wrote this, tweeted this today. He thinks 2023, 2024 is where, especially in this gender stuff, it's going to get even bigger and louder. And I think he's feeling hopeful, like, but he thinks, you know, like these, you know, particular protests we've been seeing, like there's just going to be a lot more and people are going to have had it. So, but I don't know if that gets rid of the other stuff we're concerned about in the schools um, either. You know, I don't like this one issue takes care of a lot of other problems or not, but um, yeah, definitely betting on the parents. <laughs> what do you think, David? I was just thinking about one of the guests we had on a previous live stream. I've forgotten her name, which is rude, but I was just thinking that she was saying it was the gender stuff that was going to be, you know, that was going to be almost the kind of the touchstone within the dam that would then let everything out sort of thing. So that the, 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 the ideology, a critical ideology and critical social justice would really start to fall. And I guess what you're saying a little bit with what, or what Billboard Chris is saying is that maybe things have to get louder and worse before, I don't know, before things start to buckle. But um, I mean, are, are there, are there, there's, um, is there Republican candidates pushing back on, or M, I don't know, they're not called MPs over there, are they? But are pushing back on schools, teaching certain things and curriculums there. Um, but is that just, that's just critical race theory as opposed to like gender ideology. But it's a bit of both. I mean, a bit of both. It's it. The Republicans currently are making a bit more sense on this. Some of it feels like it's kind of, I don't know. I don't know what other people think. Some of it feels like it's misguided and some of it feels like it's too little too late. Others sound really sensible. It's kind of a big mixed bag. I like the idea of a parent's party, but then there's also like there's different camps within parents. Like you see parents who are offering their children up to Moloch, basically like let's trans my child. I wanna, um, you know, they're the ones who are, are leading this charge to do things to their children. So it's it's not like, yeah, I, we do need a stronger parent parental rights protections. I, I think that we're hearing some really dangerous language from the schools about the children belonging to the state and that really worries me, especially when we look at what's going on with the schools. To answer the question that the person asked about whether it'll be won or lost in the schools, I feel very much like uh, what both Jennifer and Deborah were saying, I would take it even a step further. I think we need to take our kids out of schools. I think we need to get out of schools. We need to let the system fall. And that will put market pressure on alternative institutions to build up to take advantage of the, the fact that people still want an education. They want somebody else to educate their children and they want to be educated themselves. And if they want to provide that education and take that consumer um, opportunity, they need to present something that's palatable to the individuals. I think we need to pull out of all of these, these places that are pushing this garbage. And this is why I struggled so much when I was in graduate school and I was having this stuff thrust on me, I'm thinking I'm paying really good money for 
garbage education just so that I can come out of it and get some letters after my name. And I'm not, I, at some point, more people need to make the decision that whatever they're getting out of this isn't worth what they're being put through and what not only they are being put through, but this institution is pushing into the world at large. And so I think, I don't know if I think that they're going to turn around. I think that they're are a lot of institutions that have to fail. And I agree 100% with you, Jennifer, about homeschooling right now. Sounds like we can't necessarily fight the battle in the schools anymore, that they sound a bit lost. Well, you're in a school right now. What do you think about, about that within your program? How do you weigh that out? Um, I guess it's, oh, it feels... It feels different in a university environment, perhaps, but um, no, I, I, I guess I'm more optimistic. I, 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 I'm hearing people saying things that, that, that contradict what the lecturers are saying sometimes, or not contradict, but challenge a little bit. I'm hearing, I don't, I, but uh, I mean, the stuff that you read out earlier, Leslie, I was, I felt sick to my stomach listening to that. Um, what you were saying that your guest on your podcast was saying so if that's happening in schools there's just uh, how what, that's that's another form of irreversible damage kind of like what Jen was saying how 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 much can you you know indoctrinate young kids at an early age into something that's going to take them god knows how long to get back out again so it's just the, the, the risks are too high um so I don't know I, I don't know that well but it sounds ghastly you know I really oh go ahead no, go, go ahead, Deborah. One thing I just really just dis, I just dislike about this whole thing, and I guess although I realize this has probably gone on for maybe people who are very religious and send their kids to school and they have a different view, but like to have a situation where your parents are telling you one thing and having to make corrections for what you heard in school earlier the day and telling you those adults don't know what they're talking about. Like I, I'm trying to imagine me a child being told two different things and being told like you can't even trust adults out there and having to like correct it when they get like I don't know what it'd be like growing up like that I mean maybe it does happen for like super religious people who go to secular school and maybe their parents tell them the world was created in six days and that the, the school's telling them it's evolution right and so maybe they, that's a bit you know how do they handle that but to see such a wholesale situation where the parents like okay I'll have to just make the corrections when the kid comes home that just seems really I just try to imagine a child trying to process that cognitively. It just feels really messed up. Yeah, I mean, it seems like it would breed a lot of confusion. And another thing that I've thought about is like, I've heard people say, well, yeah, it's going on in my school, but it's not that intense. And you can tell that the teachers don't really believe it. So they kind of, they aren't pushing it as hard as you see in some of these schools. Like you see these, these libs of TikTok teachers that seem so strident about this LGBT stuff. But then in my kid's school, yeah, it's there, but they're a little bit more blah, blah, blah. So I tend to think that that might be even more dangerous because now you have the person who's forced to feed you this ideology that they themselves are presenting it with some gentleness and with some dissonance. It's an easier pill to swallow. It's almost like you're sugarcoating it because here's this this person who's gently doing it instead of abrasively doing it. And what does that do to the kid? I mean, they, they say, well, Miss, Miss Smith doesn't uh, fully believe it, but she does it too. So I, that I'll slide myself right along in that it, it sort of 
it sort of eases the way in. I'm not articulating that very well, but I have this thought that it's not necessarily better for the kid if it's being presented by someone who clearly has some conflict around it. I, I think that we need to be more, uh, I, I don't, I, I think that that confusion that you're talking about, Deborah, is kind, is kind of part of the problem of changing the process of thinking that in a dangerous way. I don't know, somebody else have a thought on that that would cap that off more articulately than me? No, I think you, I think you were really articulate. And I think that's absolutely right because it's kind of like a soft sell and, oh, see, this isn't so bad. This is just what reasonable people do. We just all go along with this. This is what being nice is all about. And women in particular, we always want to be nice. We're empathetic creatures. We never want to hurt anyone's feelings. We can't stand awkward moments. We want to be nice and man, oh man, like that can really be used against us. And it's a, it, in one way, it's a strength, but it's a, it's because it helps us to connect with one another, but it can also be a vulnerability. Mm -hmm. And um, I don't really feel very nice at all about people sexually abusing kids, nor do I feel very nice about people racially harassing kids, telling them that they are either an oppressor or a victim. I just, I regard it as 100% as unacceptable as if I was sending a child to school and I knew that they were being touched inappropriately. I really do. In some ways, maybe it's worse. I mean, <laughs> if you're touched inappropriately, you can get some really good therapy and support and, and move, move past it and heal. If you are put on puberty blockers and you never develop correctly, there is no full recovery of what one has lost. That, yes, you're, that's so perfectly said. And I think that, you know, as you're, as you're saying that it becomes very clear what the difference is, is that if somebody does something to you, that's definitely wrong. And you know that it's definitely wrong, then you have been hurt. You have recourse and you have some stability in your mind of knowing what right from wrong about that. So the conflict is outside of yourself between you and other. But if somebody does something to you that's maybe wrong, the conflict is inside. And then you're, you've been left to not trust yourself. You've yep. been left to go on a rumination loop with yourself where you're basically just, just trying to figure out what the hell is happening. And, and that's, I, I think that that's what we're breeding in these children. Yeah, this is really, this, just as we talk about this, I get this feeling, I can't even describe it. All I can say is this is really some terrifying crap going on. It is, I, I cannot believe I'm living to witness this. I wonder I really if cannot. Maybe that's the take home for the parent. Maybe that's what it is, is to like, I, I think that when you're swimming in these waters, you can start to think that you need to fight with the little finer points of things. You think that you need to engage with the, with the points that are being made and try to make comparisons and rationalize. And that's the point is to take a step back and look at it foundationally and find the strength to just challenge it on its foundations. And don't, don't think about needing to fight with what it the points that it's making, don't fight with them on their terms and try to argue with them about the relative value of this inclusivity or that or blah, blah, blah. 
but just come back to basics and say, this does not belong here. Does that, yeah. does that sum that up? Yeah, it sounds like coming back to that visceral, like if you really are viscerally like, this is just not right. Like regardless of like you're saying like an argument, subtle point or whatever, and just really grounding in yourself in that. Mm-hmm. What the words come, I'm not exactly sure, but like that, because again, you can get, but, but oh, and what? Yeah. right? Uh-huh. And that's, then you just lose your, I mean, that's sometimes it's reminding me that sometimes I've almost been glad that I've been extremely angry about something because it was clear mm-hmm. that I knew it was a no, or it was a violation. And, you know, instead of just this mm, thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's well said. You know, it's a violation. I think with this stuff, we had all better set our boundaries and not move them, not even an inch and just say, absolutely not. You know, Jordan Peterson mentioned that case, uh, this case in, um, I think in Canada where this teacher was um, telling very young elementary school age kids, um, boys and girls are not real and kept giving them those messages. And the six-year-old girl became very confused by it. And so, her process was very interesting. She was trying to reorient herself to reality. And so she was walking around the house, touching things saying, the toaster is real. This plate is real. My bed is real. And the parents decided to sue the school. And I think more people need to do that because that's what they're doing to these kids. Setting aside any kind of religious objections one might have, this is an absolute distortion of reality. Mm. gosh that's just and so that's fundamental like that's fundamental, that fundamental or marginalized or this yeah. or that it's like mm-hmm. yeah and what's more fundamental than boys and girls i mean it's sort of like the whole yin yang balance of the universe and you're saying oh no that's not that's not real i mean you might as well say like the the earth under your feet isn't real that's really sky um it's I think it's so profoundly harmful and just shakes people's complete foundations. And man, doesn't that make people easier to control? You know, what? back when I was in undergrad before they changed what turned psychology education into social justice training and we, they used to actually teach psychology when we were learning about um, social uh, heuristics, the 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 way we were taught was that the very first category into which we put people automatically when we look at them is male or female automatically it's an automatic process it happens even to babies it's not based on social conditioning it's just in your mind your mind separates people and things into categories you look at human versus animal living versus inanimate etc cetera, etc cetera. but when you see a human being the very first category that your subconscious sorts things into as male and female. And so to attack that is to attack the basis of cognitive functioning. It, it social functioning. Is. Yeah. It mm. absolutely is. And you know, and um <laughs> we categorize things as as an aid for how we navigate the world and to interfere with people's ability to navigate the world and navigate reality. It, it's I just think it's shockingly abusive and harmful well gosh this is such a big meaty topic and again it's it always feels like we have to cut it off in an hour and it it feels like we could go on longer but 
thank you for engaging with this. And I hope that the parent is watching or has watched and has some ideas. What is this? Somebody, oh, mobile writer. Leslie, can you quickly describe the attending model? I think that's what it was called, addressing model. The addressing model was a model of intersectionality that was in, uh, intended to break people down into demographic categories for understanding social hierarchy and how to interact with another person based on your relative marginalization or privilege. And it's just a list of demographic cate uh, categories, really. It's age, disability, religion, ethnicity, socioeconomic status, sexual orientation, nationality, uh, gender identity. I can't remember all of them off the top of my head, but that's what it is. It's just a way that you're supposed to talk about think about yourself, think about the person you're talking with and, and use it as a choice matrix to see who checks off more privileged boxes and who checks off more marginalization. So that's what that is. Hopefully that's helpful. And Jennifer's got her group. So we got to let, let her go. And we hope to see y'all in solid ground and definitely next week for live stream. So thank, thank you. All. you. Thank you. All right. Take care.